It's, it's operator error. I hate that one. It's better to blame somebody in the back, so sorry about that. Well, good morning. Welcome to Crossroads. If you happen to have um, been here last week, you were here for an awesome, awesome Easter service. Uh, we are thankful for everybody that uh, was a part of putting that on. Uh, but if you came last week and um, you decided to come back, we extend a very special welcome to you. Uh, anybody that's visiting today for baptisms, we're just glad that, uh, that you're here this morning. So as Levi mentioned, we are headed back into the book of Romans this morning. We will be in Romans chapter 13. So if you've got your own Bible or you want to use your phone to, to find Romans 13, you can go ahead and do that. This morning, God's word is going to clearly state that followers of Jesus Christ are to respectfully submit to governing authorities. And I'll be honest with you, I struggle with that. That's a, that's a hard teaching for me at times to follow. And before we jump in, up front, I want to make two points before we get into the text. And the first is this. When it comes to the government and Paul's relationship with the government, he was primarily focused on helping spiritually lost people come to find and follow Jesus Christ. Paul is more interested in Christians living lives that point spiritually lost people to Jesus than he is worrying about his rights or his sense of justice or what his government is or is not doing. Paul believes, in fact, that the most effective way to change society is to point people to Jesus. So keeping Paul's overall mission in your mind as we go through Romans chapter 13 is going to be extremely helpful because it's going to help answer questions uh, like why. Why would God ask us to obey a law that we think is actually an idiotic law? Why would God ask us to pay taxes when we may have the belief that the taxes that we pay aren't, aren't uh, handled well or that they're, they're mishandled? Why would God ask me to show respect to a governmental official that I don't actually respect? Why? The why answer is because God's people are to represent him well. Not as rebels, not as complainers, not as tax evaders, but as peaceful, law-abiding citizens. That's where we're going to go in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. I'm sure that, that some of you are not aware that pastors can actually hear some of the things that you think when we're, we're up front preaching. <laughs> and I can hear some of you when I, I talk about being respectfully obedient to the government. Some of you are thinking, oh boy, what, what did I get myself into? Not a message about the government. Uh, can we just go back to the uh, bless those who persecute you bit that we heard about in Romans chapter 12? And I would say, I'm with you in that. I understand your pain. Again, keep in mind as we move forward, for the Apostle Paul, this is uh, the reason we live this hard commandment out, is to help other people find and follow Jesus. That's the first thing we need to be clear on before we get into the text. The second point I need you to understand and to hear up front so that we can set it aside and focus on the text from Romans chapter 13 is this. While God has established governments, 
And he has given them actually significant amounts of authority over us. Governments do not hold absolute authority in our lives. There is a limitation to the authority that government has. And scripture makes it clear. Uh, One example or one exception primarily that uh, if a government ever commands us to obey them, but that command would cause us to disobey God or his word, we are to be obedient to God always over showing obedience to the government. While obedience to civil authority would, when obedience to civil authority would require disobedience to God, we obey God rather than man. And there's several places in scripture actually that make this point. In the book of Acts, um, we read where uh, the Roman governor and government told uh, Paul and the rest of the disciples that they could not preach the gospel. In fact, told them that they must stop preaching the gospel. And the disciples responded, we must obey God rather than man. And they continued to preach the gospel. In the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, we see where there were a couple of Hebrew midwives and the Pharaoh of Egypt, the highest ruling authority in Egypt, told them that they must kill the Hebrew sons as they were born. And of course, they refused to do so. They actually even lied to the Pharaoh and God rewarded them with their own families and their own children. In Daniel, it's another example from the Old Testament. Uh, He and and many other Jews uh, lived in an incredibly pagan society in Babylon. He served a, a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And until that king told him that he could not bow down and pray to God, he faithfully and obediently served him. But when that edict went out that he couldn't any longer pray to his God, he went up to a window very publicly and prayed. As you remember, he was thrown into a lion's den because of that disobedience, and God rescued him. We need to jump into Romans 13, but it's extremely important for us to understand that when we read the Bible, when we read a section of the Bible, we need to put it into the context of the rest of the Bible. Clearly, there have been Christians, and there are Christians throughout the entire world, past and present and uh, in the future, that um, will have to make a decision to uh, honor God's law and violate the laws that, uh, of the land. And I believe honestly, and this is not lost on any of you, that we are currently living in a, a time in history And we are moving into a direction where that truth is going to be more and more important for Christians to understand. Most of the time when these things come up, they're fairly complicated issues. And uh, when you have to make a decision to exercise your God-given responsibility to to disobey the government, uh, it requires searching the Bible. It requires a lot of prayer and a lot of thought. But for now, let's set this whole issue of civil disobedience to the side so that we can look at Romans chapter 13, our text for today, and really understand what God is saying to us. So if you're not already there, go ahead and turn to Romans 13, and I will warn you, you may want to put the proverbial seatbelt on. This is a challenging challenging teaching this morning. Uh, No matter where you lean politically, to the left or to the right, There's a lot of things that go on in in government and in our country that uh, can uh, be frustrating and even uh, create some level of anger. So let's look at Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. This is a text 
that's fairly simple to understand, but difficult at times to put into practice. The Apostle Paul writes, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Verse 6 says, This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Whew! Told you that was a challenging text. Uh, this morning, uh, I, I'm sure that, again, some of you are aware that, that pastors have this ability to, to hear what you're thinking. Uh, I am sure that there are some of you who are thinking, well, you know, that's really easy for Paul to write those things about being obedient to the government. He, he just has no idea how corrupt our government has become. Uh, Paul, you see, he, he lived in the good old days. He, he would think differently about this. And, and if you feel that, that Paul lived in the good old days, let, let me share quickly about the good old days that Paul wrote these words. Paul wrote this letter to the Roman church about 25 years after Jesus Christ was crucified on a Roman cross. Yes, uh, it was completely a part of God's glorious and redemptive plan, but nonetheless, the government that Paul lived under and called the, the church in Rome to live under crucified the God of the universe. When Paul wrote Romans, a man named Nero was the emperor of Rome. And, and Nero was the most uh, powerful man in the known living world at that time. During that time, Christianity was growing rapidly, and many people were, were converting to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, Nero was incredibly, incredibly cruel to Christians. Nero, you see, he wasn't content to put Christians to death in some of the more boring kinds of ways. Uh, there were times where he actually had Christians wrapped in animal skins and then allowed dogs to devour them while they were alive simply for entertainment, his own and others. He had Christians nailed to crosses, and some of them were actually turned into human torches to light his gardens. Again, all for his own pleasure. Does that sound like the good old days to you? Me neither. 
During Paul's life, citizens of Rome also uh, were pretty heavily taxed. Uh, Under Roman occupation, um, Roman citizens and those that were occupied by Rome had to pay taxes like land taxes, trade taxes, military taxes, marriage taxes, inheritance taxes, sales tax, religious tax, and poll taxes. Some of the taxes that Christians paid in Paul's day uh, were, were used to create roads and infrastructure and other things that all of them took advantage of and used. However, some of the taxes that, that Christians were, were called to, to uh, pay were used to do things like build the Colosseum. Uh, a number of years after Paul was dead, Rome built this incredible Colosseum where up to 3,000 Christians eventually lost their lives. And, and it's very highly likely that some of the Christians who were killed in the Colosseum for their faith paid taxes that actually paid for the construction of that amphitheater where they would die horrific deaths. Now I bring up the kind of government and authority that Paul lived under and other Christians lived under to make this point that in Romans when God calls us to submit to our governing authorities, he's not calling us necessarily to submit only to good governments or to governments that are treating their people well. Let's take a look uh, uh, quickly at Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, and uh, we'll look specifically at what it says, and then we'll circle back, and I'll make just a couple of observations before we close. So verse 1 of our text this morning starts off, let everyone, again, Paul is talking specifically to Christians, to believers in Jesus Christ. Paul is addressing men and women and children because God's word is for God's people of all time. He's addressing people in ancient Rome. He's addressing us today in the church and every generation in between. Paul is addressing Christians here in the United States. His words have authority for Christians in Ethiopia in Africa, in Russia. If there's ever a a community that's living in outer space, God's word will have authority over them as well. What does Paul say to Christians? He says we are to be subject. Now the word that is used here for being subject is the same word that uh, is used for a soldier's absolute, complete obedience to a superior officer. Again, church, this is kind of the challenge of this text. Unless the authorities ask us to do something that would cause us to sin, we are to submit and to obey. Paul continues to verse 1 and says that we are to submit and to obey governing authorities. In the United States, we have about three different levels of of authority that that this would fit under. Uh, We have our our local authority here in our county. We have a a state authority, and we have a, a federal leaders as well. And again, notice that Paul does not give any qualifiers for the leaders that we are to submit to. He doesn't say be subject to really godly and competent authorities, but you can rebel against the incompetent bad ones. He simply states that we are to be obedient to governing authorities. This includes uh, adequate and inadequate leaders. It includes just and unjust leaders. 
It includes fair and unfair leaders. It includes Democrats and Republican leaders. It includes effective and ineffective leaders. And the list could go on and on and on. We see this truth not only in the book of Romans, but take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter writes, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. In in, uh, Titus, we see that Paul wrote, uh, Titus is an early church leader. And in Titus chapter 3, it says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever good, whatever's good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle towards everyone. So why does the Bible call Christians to be good citizens? So that our lives point others to the goodness of being in relationship with Jesus Christ. The church is to influence the culture not through protest or rebellion, but through leading other people to Jesus Christ. Paul understood that the best way to change culture was to influence people for Jesus so that the Holy Spirit would transform them from the inside out. Paul understood that external laws have no power to transform the sinful heart, but the gospel does. Hear that again. Paul understood that laws do not have the power to transform the sinful heart, but the gospel does. Now again, does that mean that Christians throughout the world are to submit and obey anything and everything that governing authorities ask? Absolutely not. As I mentioned, there are certainly times today and have been in the past and will be in the future where civil disobedience has its place. But with that said, here's the first general principle from our text this morning. Number one, Christians are to be known for being model citizens. Unless a governing authority asks us to sin, we are called by God to obey that governing authority. And I take that again to mean that we are to obey the laws that we support and that we agree with, and we are also to obey the laws that we quite honestly might think are silly, ineffective, and inconvenient. If a law does not cause us to sin, we should follow it. Because silly doesn't necessarily mean sinful. Now why? There are a number of reasons why that's always good advice, but I'll give you the best one. Look at verse 2 in our text. Paul says, Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. That, my friends, is a sobering thought. Rebelling against authority is equated to rebelling against God. Because we live in a fallen world, there will obviously be bad governments, past, present, and future. However, God has established governing authority 
for our good, the Bible says. I mean, can, can you imagine driving down the road and there's no laws governing how we drive? Some people choose to drive that way anyway, but in general, if everybody did, could you imagine not having a speed limit or a, a speed or, or turn signs or, or signals? Could you imagine having no recourse if somebody ran into your vehicle? None of us wants to live in complete anarchy, and that's exactly what it would be. All governments are flawed, to be sure, at some level. But they have been established by God, and God has given them authority to govern us. Look at verses uh, 3 and 4. These two verses give us a general sense of what government is called by God to do for its people. Verse 3 says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you... Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servant, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on wrongdoers. Simply put, governments are to promote the good for their people, and they are put in place to restrain and to punish evil. And I don't know if you realize it, but here at Crossroads, we actually have a number of people that uh, are employed by the government, local governments here. Uh, Some of those are in law enforcement, and and I'm thankful, very thankful for each and every one of them. Uh, If you are here and you work in a position for the the local government or or the state government or a national government, you have been called by God to promote the benefit or the good for the people that you serve, and you have been called to restrain and to punish evil. When it comes to restraining and punishing evil, I'm personally certainly aware that not everybody who commits a crime does it because they're evil. Uh, I believe there are a lot of people who commit crimes because they are, are, um, are sick as individuals, And they need treatment more than they need a jail cell. I really do believe that. However, the second part of verse 4 makes it clear that God has established and given our government not only the authority, but he has given them the responsibility to punish wrongdoers. And when people break the law, the government is right to prosecute. The government is right to, to give a fine or to, or to detain or do whatever is a fair and just. Fair, just, and swift punishment for committing a crime is meant as a deterrent. It's also meant to keep us, law-abiding citizens, safe from people who can't uh, live in a nonviolent society. That's also the role of the, the military that God has given. It's to protect us from aggressors. A just military is not about going out and conquering other lands and other people groups and taking what they have. The point of a just military is to protect its own people and citizens from aggression. I'm quickly running out of time, but I want to finish with a look at verses 6 and 7. Verse 6 says, This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. So point three this morning that that falls out of our text is that followers of Jesus 
are to pay their fair share of taxes. Now, to be sure, Paul is not saying that all taxes are fair and appropriate. He's not asking you to believe that every tax dollar that you pay is, is distributed and used in a, in a wise manner. Paul certainly is not saying that you must enjoy paying your taxes or that you should pay more than you owe, but he is saying Christians should pay their taxes. And uh, isn't it kind of ironic that Tuesday is tax day? So if you haven't paid your taxes, well, get that done. You wouldn't think that paying your taxes would need to be in the Bible, but, but it needs to be. About 20 years ago, uh, when I was on staff at Crossroads Church in Wauseon, I had a guy that came into my office and said that the, uh, the county was uh, foreclosing and taking his farm ground. And I thought, man, that's a bad deal there. What, what's going on with this? And uh, as we talked a little farther, uh, he let me know that he believed that it was unconstitutional to have anybody collect uh, real estate taxes or property taxes. So he had neglected to pay his property tax for two years, and the dots started uh, connecting for me. Um, at, at that point, I, I sat him down, and we looked at this text from Romans chapter 13, and I let him know that, uh, that it was important that he paid his taxes, that God would, would call him to pay his taxes. But I could not, no matter what I did, get him to, to see that clearly. I pointed out not only Paul's words, but I pointed out that believers are to pay their taxes uh, because Jesus said that. In Matthew 22, 21, someone asked him about paying taxes to Caesar. And uh, Jesus very clearly said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. Jesus understood that even though we were citizens of heaven, we're also citizens of a, an earthly temporary uh, kingdom as well here. Um, God has given the government the right and the authority to, uh, to charge tax, taxes. And, and uh, even though the, the words of Jesus and the, the words of uh, Paul didn't uh, change this man's feeling, I told him the same thing that I'm telling you, that um, Jesus and the Bible, uh, they trump whatever the Constitution says, okay? So, um, so we need to, to pay our taxes. One final verse and then we'll be done. For me, church, this is actually the most convicting, challenging part of the entire text that we're looking at. Verse 7. Paul says, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, respect. If honor, then honor. This seems to be kind of a, a closing summary statement of what Paul is communicating in terms of how a Christian should, should relate with their government. And, and here's the, the bottom line. For the sake of the gospel, in order to have a powerful, effective witness in an unbelieving world, Christians are to be good, God-honoring, law-abiding citizens who pay their taxes. Now, now, personally, I've not seen anybody get up and leave uh, during this message. Uh, I, I don't believe that most of you have a problem with what I have said so far. Uh, most of us, I believe, strive to be uh, obedient and, and, uh, um, and pay our taxes. But, but here's the, the really challenge for me, especially in the era that we live in. We're to strive to be good citizens and do so with a level of respect 
and honor, remembering that governing authorities are put in place as God's servants. At least three times in these seven verses, it says that governing authorities are God's servants. When Paul says that we are to give proper respect and honor, he is not at all talking about the kind of respect that we give because we have a sense of deep admiration for someone because they are worthy of respect. Paul is talking about showing a level of respect and honor for people in authority because of their position as God's servants. In Psalm 75, 7, it tells us that God raises up and he disposes of leaders as he chooses in order to accomplish his good purpose. So at some level, at some level, all governments that are in place are in place at the hand of God. This does not mean, this does not mean that God approves of everything that governments throughout the world, including our own, does. God will hold each and every uh, governmental official to account. However, followers of Jesus are accountable to respond to governing authorities with a level of respect and, uh, and honor simply because God has established their authority as uh, his servants. Church, this can be really challenging, uh, specifically, again, when you may personally not respect the government that, that uh, is an authority over you, or you might not respect specific individuals in, in those governments. The respect and the honor is not because they as individuals merit it. And I simply want to quickly wrap up this morning by sharing how I believe the Holy Spirit has kind of challenged my life as I've studied this text for a couple of weeks in preparation for this morning. And I do so not to put any of this on you, but to challenge you to, to continue to read and to continue to study and to think for yourself, what would the Holy Spirit call you to do uh, from Romans uh, chapter 13? As I think about our government, especially our, our national federal government, um, I am aware that it is not and it has never been and it never will be a perfect government. I'm not even fully convinced that our country was founded in as godly of a way as we would like to remember. But with that said, we live in an incredible country that provides an unbelievable amount of, of uh, freedom to us as citizens and as individuals. Uh, I've had the opportunity to travel to many, many other countries and meet a lot of people firsthand who would love to have even a handful of the freedoms that we have in America. Our freedom is unmatched. And, and while I am grateful to be an American citizen, I am old enough to remember better days. The level of corruption and greed and ungodliness in Washington, D.C. is out of control. Some of the ideas and some of the laws that are being expressed and passed make it more and more difficult, honestly, to know as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, how to honor and respect them as uh, Romans 13 would ask us to put into practice. Personally, I find myself becoming more and more cynical and my attitude less and less respectful or honoring. And I confess to you that's not a healthy, godly trend. 
for the last couple of weeks, Romans 13 has really challenged me to refocus on why it is that God calls me as a citizen to show respect and honor even when I disagree. And one commentator put it this way, our hope is not in a donkey or in an elephant, but in the lamb. And as such, our primary work here is to be salt and light. It's not to be overtly, overly political. Now, I do believe that we should be well-informed. We should be educated. I believe we should serve when we can. I believe personally that we should, with a biblical worldview, vote when we have the opportunity. It's one of the freedoms that we have. But we can't do so if we're wrapped up in shouting other people down who we disagree with. Again, there certainly, certainly is a time to speak up and to speak out and to advocate for biblical, godly viewpoints in our world and in our country. But we must remember to do that with honor and with respect. Band, you can kind of make your way up here to lead us in a final song. Church, the Apostle Paul lived subject to an incredibly, incredibly godless government, one that eventually even put him to death. He knew his culture needed change, but he understood that the best way to change the culture was to influence people for Jesus Christ. To be completely honest, I'm still processing uh, Romans chapter 13 and trying to sort it out. How does it work out in, in my own life? I'm confident that the guy that I knew long ago who refused to pay his income taxes or property taxes was not doing it. I'm confident that um, disrespecting and, and continually shouting other people down, living with an overall negative attitude to authorities isn't going to influence people for Jesus either. Let me leave you with one question that you can ponder yourself this week. I think it's a good question for all of us to think about. Does my citizenship... The way that I interact with governing authorities point others to the goodness of being in relationship with Jesus Christ. Does my citizenship, the way that I interact with governing authorities, does it point others to the goodness of being in relationship with Jesus Christ? Prayerly give that, prayerfully give that some thought this week. Let me pray and then the band will lead us in a closing song. Lord, I'm 